First base used to be the power position with third base and DH to follow, but now it's every position getting dingers and first base needs to offer more. Who's got the chops to give you the edge in Dynasty at that hot, hot position? Tune in. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Garrett Cooper that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Joining me again this evening is Robert Rose. I'm Tyler Childs. Just can't say Robbie Baseball. It's just No, I won't. I refuse to at this point because I know it's like you're, you're edging a little. So I'm just, I'm just going to say, how will the Twitter world know who I am? I mean, if I start to refer to you right now at Robbie baseball one on Twitter, if I refer to you as tourney boss, uh, you know, like Bogman and the Welsh on ITL army, they don't use anything, but their abbreviations. I mean, if we want to be cool and hip, that's the way we got to go. We got to evolve just like baseball and baseballs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i see i'm not down for that like i still am a human being uh social media is how you talk to said human being i just have a faceplate that says Tony boss you have a faceplate that says robert rose I, i'm gonna look up as many rose metaphors and other things that i can use over the next couple of episodes to really v- stay away from the robbie baseball one. Oh, great I know my father used to say when somebody would say his name, they would say something. You know, his name is Ron. So be like, Ron Rose. And he's like, unlike any other. I'm like, I don't understand. But he would say <laughs> a lot of corny things that I uh, now find myself saying and then shake my head. So, <laughs> Unlike but, any other. I like that. It's like, yeah. that's a Jim Nance quote. That's what that is. Perhaps. I don't know. No, it is. It's the Masters. Oh, unlike okay. any other. Yeah, I know. It's, that's a Jim Nance thing. So let's... Uh, get to it we're in we're in like one of the more exciting parts of the season here robbie we're we're heading into spring training we are going to see some teams report this week the new faces are already starting to show up for all the pr and fun stuff We've i know seen hunjin ryu and in, in his toronto blue yeah he is just a straight square which is exciting yeah. <laughs> like he, he really is i appreciate that because that's kind of how i'm shaped too so it's really nice to quite <laughs> connect so much with Ryu. It's like it's not like it's just it's just thick and it's in this like SpongeBob kind of setup, right? So I I I feel for Ryu because I know how hard it is to buy t-shirts. So <laughs> <laughs> like they just they they don't fit your shoulders and your midsection. Like you get one or the other. So either you have one that fits your shoulders nice and you got a dress, right? Or you get one that's <laughs> like super tight on your shoulders but fits your midsection. Like it just doesn't make any sense. But um, those are those are real life problems, guys. So. If you guys have some uh, t-shirts that you think fit, let me know. I'm, I'm all ears. Uh, hit me at Tony boxes. Robbie was saying. Yeah. Or even the uh, podcast page at dingers pod uh, where we are always firing off with fun, exciting things we had uh, based on a couple of comments from the last episode. Some of the listeners were saying how highly we had Mr. Otani ranked and somebody commented about um, Rodriguez out of Boston. So I put up the quick Twitter poll of dynasty format daily lineups who do you want otani or um rodriguez and at the last i checked the poll still open and because we're recording this one a little earlier than we normally do and uh, otani was somewhere in the 80th percentile versus rodriguez so that that is not close so everybody that was questioning that please stop i want to I like i like rodriguez I, i'm on his, i'm on his side but i don't know how you possibly say in any format that he's more valuable than a guy that can play both ways one and is a very respectable pitcher on in his own right so i just don't get it it's it's wild to me yeah i was certainly confused when it was brought up and i thought well isn't it obvious why but i think it it might be some boston fans who are just upset grasping at straws because they're 
uh, Mookie Betts trade debacle that did and didn't happen and may or may not happen. It's all still up in the air. And the best thing I've seen from all of that is uh, Justin Turner of the Dodgers um, commented back to somebody and said, it would be great if reporters waited until a trade was official because they seem to forget that players have lives. And when you report things needlessly without confirmation, it really hurts some of those players. And everybody was like either on one side or the other. So they were either Turner, you don't know what you're talking about or yeah, that's right. Reporters all need to change. It's not that. And that's one of the things that we don't do here is we don't go heavy into rumors. We'll certainly talk about a player evolving and maybe changing teams, but we don't state that we have read this and therefore it is gospel. If we find it somewhere, we check a second source, we'll mention it, but we're certainly not newsbreakers because we're recording a podcast that typically will not air for at least 16 hours after we've recorded. Um, but it, it is certainly an interesting time to be a Red Sox fan and certainly to be a fan of a team in their division. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. There's all kinds of chaos going on. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Uh, it's fun, fun as a baseball fan, but even more fun as somebody that doesn't like the Red Sox. So uh, yeah. it's just fun to see them scr- scramble a little bit. Let's dive into it, Robbie. What are we covering? First base, we have 52 legitimately, potentially, possibly, could be game-changing, effective first baseman. Absolutely. Keep in mind, we're talking eight by eight categories, long-term dynasty value, really focused on the 20 to 24 seasons and really trying to make sure that you're valuing guys properly. So again, we're not giving you the top 50 guys for this season. We're not giving you the top 50 guys for 2025. We're giving you the value they have from the perspective of what they're going to do from a statistical contribution in that five-year window and also what kind of prospect or trade value they may or may not have within that group as well. So one thing to note before we get in here is that there will be some guys that are not included. And what we did was we started with their primary position, meaning the the position they played the most last season. Anybody that has multi-position eligibility will be placed into a later episode where we're going to comment on the value that these guys that do play multi-positions have and how they stack up. So the most notable uh, missing athlete on this, this episode is going to be Cody Bellinger. So before you freak out when we get through that, he is going to be ranked elsewhere. So just something to keep in mind uh, as we progress through the list here. It was the easiest thing for us to do as well because you don't want to include a player in three positions and essentially hurt another player who would otherwise, let's just pick a number and say they would be ranked 15th, but because of multi-position eligibility, they actually fall to 19th or even 20th. Um, that would then make them seem like a less desirable player. However, there's a lot of value in multi-position eligibility, depending on your format, uh, daily lineups. If you are in really big leagues, 30-team leagues, multi-position eligibility becomes even more valuable. Uh, Anybody who owns David Fletcher will know that because he played everywhere last year and that carries over to this year. So we didn't exclude. We are just putting them where they played primarily last year in Bellinger. He's a right fielder. Well, and just something to note too, going back to that Otani conversation off the top, that's really one of the things, you know, as a pitcher, he's one of a kind, you know, if you count McKay in there, there's two of them, but the reality, that's that's where that value came from in our rankings. And again, it's just something that we're carrying over across other positions. So let's get right into it, Robbie. Let's dive in. You're going to take us through the bottom of the list here. Uh, again, keep in mind that Rob and I each rank them separately. We're taking the average between our two positions and we're passing them through to you. So Rob loves this part of the the, the group. So I'm going to just fire <laughs> it over to him because these are the guys that he likes to toy with. It's true. So I'm going to go from 52 down to 41 for us. And that's going to start us off with 52. Roberto Ramos, uh, former Colorado Rocky, now headed over and playing in Japan. If you already own him, if you had an early draft, if you picked him up before he went overseas, And uh, I would say if no one in your league noticed or if your rules allow it because he has a previous MLB affiliation, keep him. Think Eric Thames uh, five years ago when all of a sudden Thames was, what was it, Godzilla? That was what he was called. Um, This guy developed massive power last year and is now going to take that overseas. If that continues, he's on a two-year contract, I believe, which means he could be back 
for the 2022 season on an MLB contract, no longer needing to earn his position, much like Thames and just walk into at bats. So that could give you potentially three full seasons. There's a reason he's the last guy on the list because he's just someone you might want to take a shot at. And that's, that's it. I won't go into any more detail on him. I'll rhyme off the rest. Just wanted to make that clear because somebody's going to say he's not an MLB player. We're thinking outside the box here, people. This is how you win championships. 51, Lucan Baker, St. Louis Cardinal prospect, first-round draft pick 2018. Logan Watt, San Francisco Giant. I think he was a first-round pick last year. May have been third round. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn, Kansas City Royal. Michael Bush, Los Angeles Dodger draft pick in 2019. Mike Ford, New York Yankee at 47. Yuli Gurriel at 46. That is correct. 46th rank, Yuli Gurriel. 45th, Bobby Bradley, Cleveland Indians. 44, Brent Rooker, Minnesota Twins. 43, Daniel Murphy, Colorado Rockies. 42, Kevin Cron, Arizona Diamondbacks. And 41, Matt Beattie, LA Dodgers. Ty, if you had to pick one guy, who would you, who would you say is the best of this bunch? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Yuli for me. I mean, there's just a lot of risk around Yuli right now. He's a little bit older. Uh, how long is he going to stay in Houston? This could be his last season there. So for me, what happens to him after? I have no idea how much of his you know, production is the result of being the back end of that really good lineup and just getting good situations. He ended up in a San Francisco lineup. How would that you know, kind of come around? But I do think there's a lot of risk on everybody else in this group. Daniel Murphy, I, I, it's going to be hard to imagine he has any sort of bounce back this season after watching last. The power looks to be almost gone for him, even in Colorado. So I'm not expecting much from Murphy, but he's a guy that I'm at least watching. I'll make that note, but I like Yuli to be the safest guy in this group. And then if I'm if I'm picking a sleeper on top of that, I'm probably going to go for Ryan O'Hearn as a guy that I think everyone's given up on. I like him. <laughs> As a guy that can I'm giving Ty the finger because that was going to be my guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ultimately, I, I think it's a good lead in to, to hand it back to you. And it's why he's your guy over Guriel. Yeah. So I don't have O'Hearn ranked higher. And overall, he didn't end up being higher. But this is a guy that I am a little butthurt by, kind of like a Devers a year ago. Not that we're potentially going to see that. Um, Ryan O'Hearn's triple a line last year was brief, but it was mighty. And this is a, a guy on a, on the perfect team for him right now. He can come into spring training. He's got a hit, but if he comes into spring training and he hits, he could stick with the Royals, whether it starts the year as a bench role and he just finds a way to earn at bats. And this could, you just know, be where something. he's, you know, where he's perfect for where hello, it's me. The post Team hype. post hype, baby. Team <laughs> post hype. Uh, you know, this is a guy that all kinds of power. I mean, there's definitely some things to be scared of here with Ryan O'Hearn based on last season. But I do expect at least a step forward. And that could be at least a serviceable first baseman if you need a guy. And it's certainly a good guy to take a chance on. Yeah. So the little write-up that I do have on him is... Uh, he was a 2014 eighth round pick. So Kansas City doesn't have a lot invested in him, but he flashed through the system and came up and then went back and came up and went back. So 2019, he had a 295, 383, 597 slash line, which gave him a 979 OPS at AAA. And if he can bring that up to Kansas City, some level of that up to Kansas City, it's going to really improve upon his abysmal 477 career at bats to this point in time. So that's plenty of time to sink into him. Guriel is this far back for me solely because last year was obviously a career year for him. If you don't think it was, the guy's now 35 years old. Uh, things are certainly taking a turn for the worse in Houston from a publicity standpoint. We don't know if that's going to translate to anything else, but I certainly don't think we're going to see 30 plus bombs from Guriel again. And with his age, I think he signed a four-year contract and this would be year four of that contract. He might, decide he wants to go back home he might decide he wants to kick around end up in tampa bay something like that i'm not counting on him for big production the one guy in this list that i absolutely love is michael bush michael bush um, is the potential long-term replacement at first base for the dodgers he's 21 years old has pop the potential to chip in with a couple stolen bases and the best part about him ty more walks than k's at every level I love it. And he's putting the ball in play to get that average up. But this is a guy for me that I've been trying to, I think I kind of whiffed in the draft a bit on him. I wasn't as high as I should have been. I wasn't 
checking everything out to the best of my abilities because I was focusing so much more on pitchers. And Michael Bush is someone that I'm now circling back and trying to collect in a few of the leagues. Absolutely. No. And, and I think there's this part of the list is a whole bunch of what ifs, right? You know, you could like Luke and Baker could be a starting MLB or could also be a nobody by the time he gets there. So, you know, I think Michael Bush is one of those guys too. you know, watching that progression from the low minors to the top minors is really what you need to be doing with these long shot guys and trying to look for patterns. Like Rob said, he, he walked at every level more than he struck out. Usually a good v- view of plate discipline, but really what does that do in terms of hard contact? So those are a couple of things that I like to watch for. I look for the ratio and if they've got a good ratio, what does hard contact look like? Because when they get to that pro level, the hard contact means a lot more. Uh, and that's really what I start to look for at that, that point. So a um, couple points there. I think we can jump ahead here, Rob, if there's anybody yep. else you want to comment nope, on. I'm good. I'm good. We're into our top 40 here. And this is a list of all kinds of different background. So I get kind of excited with this one. So we've got Toglia in Colorado, another first base prospect in Colorado. Who knows what that means? I mean, we can still get excited about the idea because anybody that shows any real flash of pop at the major league level and is a Colorado uh, player you got to get excited at, about from a fantasy level is all the promise uh, we need to watch exactly what I just said as he progresses through double A AA and triple A what we're looking for but the upside is there could be a uh, all categories kind of guy if he continues to progress through that so ahead of him is Volgoback who we've talked about in detail Rob still holds an outside shot here he had him ranked 28 I'm giving up on Volgoback he's not a guy I want to own anywhere I've never really been a huge fan. Um, maybe hints of like, eh, I could be this guy, but I have him 48. So I'm not high on Vogelback. I'm looking for him to exit, especially the wave of talent coming into Seattle. Ahead of him, Albert Pujols, first ballot Hall of Famer, very old. And the foot injury, back injury, the <laughs> whatever injury <laughs> is, is upcoming is what we're concerned about with Pujols. Still got a couple of years left on his contract. So... Uh, he's going to hit some home runs. He's got some very significant home run plateaus coming up. You got to imagine that the LA Angels PR team is begging for him to hit 30 home runs for the next couple of years. The only point I'm going to make on Sir Albert here is, do you know the last year in which Pujols K'd over 100 times? No year. Yeah. He has not in his career. Now, obviously, his at-bats have been going down the past several years. But if you are in a league in which you are counting strikeouts, so we have the 8x8 format here set up, and we have different categories that this player can help you in. And Pujols is still able to significantly help you in Ks because he's going to be at first base, not getting you you know, 20-plus at-bats a week if he's there. But he's not going to be hurting you in strikeouts. And he can still provide you with home runs and the low floor, sorry, the high floor type production. So obviously not somebody that's going to be winning you a week, but he's the type of guy that you can plug in, especially in points league. I did it last year. Plug him in for half your season, and he's not losing you those weeks because you're getting some level of production with a fairly minimal cost. Yep, absolutely. I agree. There's still lots to like about Albert. He's not going to hurt you. He's just not going to win an MVP by any means. So jumping ahead of him. Uh, We talked about him a little bit earlier, and that's Eric Tams going over to Washington, the defending champions. I want to see something around him being Hammerhead Shark. You know, he had Baby Shark in there last year. Let's get Tams with the big biceps in there as Hammerhead Shark. Let's make it happen. Uh, Yeah, you know, that's what I do. So ahead of him, (laughs) uh, we got Tristan Cassis uh, in Boston. Kind of came onto the radar last season. Uh, Still, you know, Looking for him to get a high A assignment possibly in 2020 and some progression throughout the year. Could move quickly in a very thin Boston system, but we'll see how that progresses. Not a guy that everyone was super high on coming into last year, but has kind of turned that corner and definitely has some huge upside moving ahead. One of the bounce back candidates for this season, I think he's going to have a small turnaround in Tampa Bay, and that's Jesus Aguilar. This was a darling couple fantasy seasons ago. I think there's still something in the tank here. Might see it as a platoon, uh, but I think ultimately Jesus Aguilar still has a little bit to offer. I have him ranked 29th. Robbie's kind of in the Vogelback conversation within with that 45. Ahead of him, Gary Cooper. It's a guy that's just older, still getting it done, 
Uh, he still has a little bit to offer, but there's lots of guys coming behind, including uh, one of the guys we have a little further ahead here in the list. Uh, ahead of him, Howie Kendrick. Really, Howie Kendrick is still a super valuable fantasy player. Just comes down to whether he's in the lineup. That's We talked about that before with Howie. All it comes down to is whether he's going to be on the field. And ultimately, it could be a really nice platoon option with Eric Tams, depending on what they want to do with Ryan Zimmerman, because they, for some reason, brought him back. Yeah, uh, everybody everybody <laughs> went to Washington again. Like Zimmerman's not on this list for a reason. Um, what, well, Mitch Moreland is not on this list for a reason. Justin Smoke's not on this list for a reason. The potential for them to help you year over year is gone. But Howie Kendrick is, because Howie Kendrick, even at 36, can still be an, a valuable guy with that really high floor that he provides when healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Ahead of him is another guy in a similar position. That's Brandon Belt. This is a guy that I'm wanting to kind of acquire in some spots. And the reason for that is he's a free agent, I believe, after this season. And when he leaves San Francisco, I think you're going to see an uptick in his home runs. And I think that's a, a valuable component. Could be a really sneaky back half of the career kind of guy to watch for because he's not a bad baseball player. You're just in a massive park that is not really beneficial to lefties. Uh, so ahead of him, the last guy in this group is a guy that I'm really, really not high on, but Robbie's a little bit more on is that uh, Ronald Guzman in Texas. Did you say I'm a little that, moron? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> you can read between the lines if you want, <laughs> but you know, you've got him ranked 21. So yeah, maybe. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> so ultimately this is a guy that I'm done with. I'm, I was, he had all the opportunity in the world last year to show off what he was capable of. I have him 46 on my list. Rob has him 21. The best asset this guy brings to the team is that he can do the split. And beyond that, it was really not that great offensively. And there's enough bats coming either returning from injury or have been brought in in uh, Texas that I do expect to see them take a step forward without Guzman. So that's, that's really where it's at, Robbie. Who do you like in this group? Who are you watching for? Who are you avoiding? My, my top ranked guy in this list is Ronald Guzman. And it's, it has a lot more to do with peripherals than actuals for him. He K'd a lot in 256 at bats. He was somewhere uh, right around 30% of the time, but he was still able in a relatively short period of time. You want to call it nearly a third of a season mate. Well, maybe that's a little much, um, but in 256 at bats, he still ended up with 34 runs and 36 RBIs. It's a guy that can contribute. He had 10 dingers to go with it, but the average was low because of all those K's. So he's kind of one of those guys who I can see making an adjustment. He could of course go the Rugnan or doorway of becoming an absolutely useless fantasy player, unless you're in points, or he could become somebody that pops that average up like Joey Gallo, 40 points, and all of a sudden you're quite happy with what you're getting. But the pop isn't the big thing with him. It's just the fact that he should be a viable player in Texas. If it wasn't for the Todd Frazier acquisition and the potential to just clog things up in early 2020, he's somebody that I'm taking a chance on, thinking that he could provide better numbers than what we've seen. And if I was to um, sail the boat on somebody, it's obviously Albert. He's just older. And like we said before, he's somebody that you can acquire, but he's not somebody that you're going to pencil in for very long. Um, I was doing this last year with Chris Davis, where I was trying to take him at the end of a draft and I was being more aggressive and trying to get Alonzo everywhere. And that worked out pretty well for me. Pujols might be one of those guys where you might want to take a rookie somewhere and then have Pujols as a placeholder. Um, so that's that's it for me. Tristan uh, Cases, again, came in big last year. I think it was 17 home runs he had in the Florida League. So he's somebody that got on everybody's radar because of his natural power. But the best part and the reason why he made our list and is up as high as 36 is because he has a very clear path to get to Boston if he's hitting. He's a 20-year-old Boston, I mean, new management in town, but Boston does not seem to mind bringing up players when they are at the point in which they can help the major league team. We saw it with Devers. Uh, we could very well see it again with cases as early as the end of 2021. If he can take a big assignment in A and get a midseason move up to possibly double A, we'll see. Jesus Aguilar was the highest ranked guy in this collection. He was 11th for us last year. And that was us banking on a rebound. We did not get that. <laughs> um, but we could now see better things coming for him. And just to circle back to the first group that we went through, the highest ranked guy to this point from last year for us collectively 
was Daniel Murphy. He was ranked ninth for us. Oopsie daisy. You know what? Everybody poops. We made a mistake and we didn't realize that um, Daniel Murphy didn't care as much about being great at baseball. So uh, those are the only guys that we'll all make a mention of. And I'm ready to go on from 30 down to 21. You ready to roll? Let's do it. All right. We've got Christian Walker in Arizona at 30. This is a 29-year-old guy that came in broken last year, however you want to say it. He was on a rookie contract. Uh, he was not on the Dingers radar last year. Uh, however, he came up, did some great things, and now he might have a chance to stick around in Arizona. Uh, we've got Miggy Cabrera, who last year was in between 19 to 22 for us and is ranked 29th this year. He's, he's getting older. He still can't stay healthy. And if he is healthy, he's going to help you with a lot of Howie Kendrick-like stat lines. So he's got the ability to be better. But the one thing we know for sure with Miggy is that average is going to be there. We just really want him to be able to play first base so he doesn't become a DH. At the point in which he becomes a DH, he will become fantasy irrelevant unless you're in a Yahoo League, and then he'll probably retain the first base position permanently. Um, 28, J-Man Choi from Tampa Bay. This is somebody who is sticking in and around um, where he coulda, woulda, should be for us. We were sleeping a little bit on him last year because he didn't make too much noise in 2018, but was efficient OPS guy. And with that crowded Tampa Bay first base scenario, it's hard to see much more value coming out of it. But he's a guy who just seems to, you know, chug along and do good things. Uh, number 27 is Grant Levine, Colorado Rocky prospect. Levine did not have the best 2019, but he is still ranked higher than uh, Toglia, who was this year's. 2019 first round draft pick uh, Levine is a little I think he's a little further along in the program and he's a year and change younger than Toglia so I'm still giving him the edge as is Ty so he found his way to 27 on the list CJ Cron the man hit bombs that's what he does he hit him in Minnesota he's gonna hit him in Detroit and if things work out he'll get traded somewhere that maybe he can settle in for a few more years he's only 30 so he's going to be around as long as he can keep getting contracts, even if they're one-year deals. You can pencil him in for 30-plus home run power. Uh, then we go to 25 with Lowe from Tampa Bay. Um, and he's somebody that, you know, didn't have really good numbers last year. Things weren't great. But in 2018, he had a 330 average, a 985 OPS, 68 walks to 90 Ks in the minors. This is more what I'm looking for from him. This is why he is ranked where he is and uh, 24 Dom Smith of the Mets. Now we know that there's another first baseman in town, but that is Dom Smith primarily first baseman here. And if he is to be dealt, that's, you know, to the benefit of whatever team gets him and all the fantasy owners that are out there. Good average guy. He can hit for contact. He's got power 23 Rowdy Telez. Ty is definitely higher on him than I am. Ty's got him at 16. I have him at 30. I see Rowdy as a placeholder. Uh, we talked about it before we started recording. We know that Vlad is eventually going to end up at first base unless he has some remarkable turnaround defensively at third. But until that time, we're not moving him over. Uh, Rowdy Telez is the guy there. There's minimal competition, if we want to call it that, with some veterans. So he should continue to plug away. He's still only 25. Guy's got room for improvement and find, found himself at 23 on our list. 22, Edwin Encarnacion. What can you say? He's 37 years old. I have him up. Uh, a few spots higher at 14. Ty's got him at 31. I'm sure it's age-related, certainly not production-related. Uh, he was leading the league in home runs last year when he broke his wrist. Nothing you can do about that. And sad to say, 21 on our list, Joey Votto. Uh, last year, he was ranked fifth by Ty, sixth by me, and we were a little nervous that that may have been either too high or too low. And, well, as it turns out, um, Joey Votto has regressed and continued to regress. So, he can definitely help you in average. He's not a home run threat right now. So Cincinnati, with a lot of different players who should be getting on base, should be knocking things in. He could still be getting runs. He could still be getting a lot of walks for you. But Joey Votto is no longer somebody to lock and load at first base. If I had Votto on my roster, I would certainly want to have one of the prospects I've already mentioned ready and waiting. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of teams there. Uh, that, that are impacted by these guys. But one of the guys that, you know, I'm I'm watching a couple of the veterans here. So the thing with Edwin that scares me the most is the broken wrist. You see it a lot, lack of power after a wrist injury. I'm expecting a little bit of that with Edwin. You combo that with the age. I think there's just a lot to be scared of. 
And so for that reason, I'm just, I'm out on Edwin. I love Edwin. He's one of my favorite guys. He is a tough at bat for a pitcher. So it's hard for me to rank him that way. But at the same time, you know, the Grim Reaper is kind of coming for Edwin's career a little bit. Uh, I think the other guy that there's two guys here that I think you could buy low on right now, and that's Cabrera and Votto. I think both of them are going to have slight bounce backs. I'm not saying they're going to go back to their past form by any means, but I think Votto is going to shift his role now that that lineup in Cincinnati is a little bit deeper. I think you might see him slide into the two instead of the three spot. That expectation of him hitting home runs is going to change. You're going to see a whole bunch of slappy Joey Votto, uh, which you might see a 320 out of him if he just recognizes the power days are done. So I think that's something I'm watching closely. Cabrera, as you said, you know, the, the Kendrick comparison is perfect. 20 home runs is what I would love to see out of Cabrera this year. His batting average was respectable last year, so he's, he's going to help you. We talked about it before we jumped on. I'd love to see the the doubles profile for Cabrera. Just stick to that Lyle Overbay, fill the gaps, not necessarily hit the bombs kind of repertoire. Uh, that's that's who I'm watching. The guy that I'm high on in this group is Rowdy Talees. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. I expect him to deliver that oppo power again. He, there was a noticeable change in in his approach last season to the pull side. I'm not sure if that was something they were after. You saw something really similar with Vladdy. So I don't know if that's what the hitting coach is trying to get them to fill a gap in their swing. But at the same time, he has crazy pop. It is there. This is a guy that could come out and hit 30 home runs without really batting an eye. So it's just one of those guys that I think in this part of the list carries maybe the most upside of that of that group. And that's why I think it's one to watch. Doesn't mean he's going to get there. There's still some obvious risk here with Rowdy Delise, but it's a guy that I think really could help you out and could be in a very, very affordable option on a guy that still likely has an entry level contract if you're in a contract league. Yeah, there there isn't a whole lot else to say on these guys. Um, I have ranked everybody based on the eight by eight and given them little marks as to what they could potentially do in each category that would be above league average or potentially top 10 at their position. And the only guy in this that hit them all uh, for potential was uh, Brandon Lau with Tampa Bay. And, or sorry, is it Brandon or Nate? Nate. Oh my God, I got to put his name in. Uh, My apologies for the, the struggle here, people. Again, just just to add to that, you should have heard us trying to get him to get say Nate Lau before the show. It, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was and we're not even drinking. We didn't even do the beer. That, and that's probably segment. the problem. That's yeah. the problem. This, <laughs> yeah, this what's the one us. where? Yeah, what's the one where? Uh, there's some show where the guy, uh, as soon as he drinks, oh, it's like Raj talking to women. So it's me talking baseball. As soon as I get a beer <laughs> in me, I'm good to go. But prior prior to that, so anyway, yeah, uh, Nate Lowe is the only guy that has the potential to hit all eight categories for you in an up start way he's is ranked this far back um the the situation tampa bay just doesn't allow us to say you know here we go here's here's your first baseman of the future and that's they why have eight, he is. well they have eight guys that could play the position so yeah. it really really and they're limits. a really competitive team so they're not going to just hand it over to somebody yeah he's got to win that job to provide that value yeah so anywho we're into our top 20 now ty you're up yeah, first on this list is Seth Beer, part of the Granky trade going from Houston into Arizona. This is a guy that I think is going to win the position. It's also why Walker's a little bit further down the list because I definitely impacted his ranking based off of uh, not just Beer, but also Kevin Cron uh, going to be fighting for at-bats at first base in Arizona. This is a guy that I, I like. I think he, he's had a small step back after a tough season. But I do think that he is a guy that will bounce back. And there's a reason Arizona wanted him. He's still in a hitter's park. So you got to like the opportunity for him. Moving ahead, you got Luke Voigt in New York. Uh, you know, Robbie uh, has him at 24. I just don't see that. I'm not a Luke Voigt guy, but he's in a really, really good lineup. And that position is his. There's nobody to really challenge him for first base. So I like him as long as he can stay healthy. He's a He's a lock for you know, near 25, 30 home runs if he's healthy with that lineup around him. Head him, Carlos Santana, a guy that kind of bounced right back after an absolutely terrible season. Uh, Really nice to see him come back in Cleveland. I still think just 
you know, I would expect an 80% of what we saw last year, if we're being realistic there. Uh, Robbie and I actually both had him at 19, which is rare. Uh, <laughs> ahead of him, uh, Ronaldo Nunez in Baltimore, who really was a unsung hero last season for fantasy owners. Uh, he had a whole bunch of weeks that he could have won you a whole week by himself. And so guy really I'm intrigued by because I don't know where to place him. I really don't. He's he's a guy that I'm struggling with because the power is real. The you know opportunity to play in Baltimore is going to be there. He's going to have to battle Mancini and Mountcastle for some at-bats, but there should be enough for those three to go around. And so ultimately, that's a guy that I'm definitely, definitely excited about um, to, to see where he goes this year. Ahead of him is Miguel Sano in Minnesota. He's getting the full shift over to first, so he no longer has to worry about playing third base and uh, he's just really going to focus on hitting dingers, which is what we all want to see from this guy. He's a, a mammoth human being. And that Minnesota lineup is going to be very, very good. Uh, one of the, the guys that is going to challenge him for some at bats. And the reason I think he slots in here is because snow will move to that DH spot. I think once you see uh, Nelson Cruz move on and ultimately that's Alex Kirloff ahead of him back to back Minnesota. He's a guy that can hit, all the categories, if he was to ever develop home run pop, he'd be the real deal because the contact, a little bit of speed, everything else is going to be there. It's just a matter of whether he can bring the pop to the, to the conversation. So ahead of him is a guy in San Diego that I, I'm not ready to give up on yet. He really does help you in multiple categories. He just doesn't knock it out of the park literally anymore. Uh, and that's Eric Hosmer. It's, it's definitely... Uh, the job is his in Minnesota or sorry, in San Diego for the time being. And ultimately a guy that most people are down on and that lineup's only getting better in San Diego. And when that happens, Hosmer's value only gets better. So keep it, keep in mind, this could be a, a really mid value guy that you could probably acquire for bottom of the league value. Cause odds are he's on a tough contract. Uh, so if you've got good scenarios in your rosters, definitely a guy to look for ahead of him is the aforementioned Ryan Mountcastle. This is a guy that I'm slowly moving up my board. I'm getting more and more excited about him as I, as I see him progress. I want to see him in the major leagues this season. I don't think Baltimore has any reason to keep him down anymore. And ultimately, Baltimore could be a little bit of a surprise team this year. Uh, with the pop that they have, it's just a matter of whether some of that pitching can start to grow a little. And ahead of him is a guy that, is skyrocketing up my board. I've watched videos recently as today, uh, getting super excited about him, and that's Lewin Diaz. It's part of the Sergio Romo trade coming from Minnesota last season. A low hand, really an uppercut on the upper half of the zone. I think there's better hit skill here than what you've seen to date in the minor leagues. I think you're going to see this kid really blossom. It's just a really, really clean, simple, short-to-the-ball kind of swing. I like him a lot. He's not going to be light tower power. And I think that's where some people are a little scared, but I think it could be Griffey-esque where you hit a whole bunch of home runs just over the fence. That's still okay. And ultimately the last guy here in this group is Abreu in Chicago. Just kind of, I don't even know how to describe him because he's not, he's not flashing any one category, just kind of goes off uh, across the board. And that, that lineup's getting very, very good. He's finally going to have some support around him. He's going to have uh, Edwin. He's going to have uh, Mazzara. You know, Makata's really coming to his own. The table setter and Tim Anderson is definitely going to be there. So if Eloy and uh, Luis Robert can really take that step ahead, that lineup's really, really good. And don't forget about Rob's boy, Nick Madrigal. I think that makes Abreu that much more valuable. So, that's that group, Robbie. Who this is? This is an exciting group. Maybe the most exciting one we have had so far. We're starting to get into those future stars, but also some of those, you know, staples. I guess. Yeah, I think this group has the diversity that should appeal to every fantasy player. Where you don't need to be in today's top ten list to feel good about your first base situation. On this list, there are one, two, three, four guys who could potentially help you in all categories. Uh, the highest potential for points in a season I've given to snow. He could get you depending on your format, of course. Um, but the typical ones that um, I play in 600 points 
And that's saying something for a guy who we don't think is going to long-term be a first baseman could easily end up if Kirilov can do exactly as Ty had said, just continue to develop. He could be pushing Sano to the DH role. I'm sure Minnesota made the deal knowing what they were getting themselves into with Sano Donaldson, uh, knowing their minor system, you know, with Rooker, as we'd mentioned before, Kirilov coming up, there are ways in which things should all be on some big board in Minnesota to work out ideally. And I think Sano can be the most impactful guy right out of the gate. Long-term, I love Mountcastle. I love his AAA line. Like, I think he won his batting title by over 30 points last year. He was over 300, like over 330, sorry, with his batting average. And people are just kind of sleeping on him, and that's fine. But he's going to end up in an AL East with four really good parks to hit in. And that's going to help him as he comes up. Obviously, the pitching is going to be tough in those parks. And unfortunately, he doesn't get to play against his own pitching staff. But that's still going to be fine. Remember when Chris Davis was crushing and Mark Trumbo were crushing, they were doing it out of Baltimore. They were playing against all those tough teams. And I can still see great things for Mountcastle. It's a matter of when does he come up and what is Baltimore going to do with um, Nunez? What are they going to do with Mancini? Will they be there or will they be out? Like Nunez is 25. So he's only two years younger than Mountcastle. So he could still very well be a building block within this organization. And that's fine. And the guy I have the rank ranked the highest amongst this group is Luan Diaz at nine. And I really like what I see in minute or sorry, in, in um, Miami. And that has a lot to do with the fact that there's no one coming up the pipeline. He is the pipeline. Him and Garrett Cooper should be able to uh, effectively hurt each other long-term this year. So if you're smart in a daily lineup league, you want to get both guys, it's probably going to be the cheapest way to go. And neither guy should cost you too much. D- Diaz is going to be on a rookie contract uh, depending on your format, of course. If it's keep forever, maybe it's a little harder to get. But certainly worth it to experiment with first base when everyone's providing you with all of these different categories for power. And, and uh, DS could just be a guy that that helps to really make a difference with you without costing you an arm and a leg. So within this, this group, there's a ton of volatility. Obviously, Luke Voigt is a guy that um, we have some some difference on. But it's okay because Voigt is in a great situation right now in New York and maybe he'll kick around for a couple years there and somebody else is going to come by, but he certainly has surmounted Greg bird who is now in Texas. <laughs> so I, I still love that debate's Greg over bird. Greg bird pipeline to, <laughs> is that why you hate Guzman, Guzman so much? Cause you just, uh, like, he's toast. I, I, I believe Greg bird is going to win that job. I really do. And it's not that I dislike Guzman. It's just that his numbers aren't overly exciting. Yeah. Yeah. They, so, he, it, it, for me, it's a belief thing. And sometimes, uh, you know, you're right about the feeling. Sometimes you're way off on it. So, uh, but that brings us to our top 10 and we're now going to what alternate guy by guy here, Ty. And, Let's do it. Uh, Cause I, I guess the first two guys line up perfectly for us. So I can start us off with Andrew Vaughn last year's second overall pick in the draft. He was not on our list last year, obviously. Um, but this year he comes in at 10 for me, 11 for Ty. And this is a 22 year old power hitter who is in all likelihood going to be an Alonzo type, maybe starting 2021 as the everyday first baseman because Abreu can, as we mentioned, walk. Ideally, maybe he comes north to Toronto and settles himself in at first base. But um, regardless, Vaughn could easily have that job in Chicago next year and just be the guy on a team that should have a ton of rookies this year that all work work themselves in and through the big leagues and then he could be learning from all those guys next year so i love andrew vaughn here i can see him shooting up boards all over the place and i still have i think two rookie drafts two two drafts minimum two rookie drafts left to do in dynasty and i have the fourth pick in one and i am crossing my fingers that some way somehow he slips to me i don't think it's going to happen but everybody's hopping up on CJ Abrams right now. Maybe, maybe some fun, exciting thing happens. If I could get Vaughn at fourth in any draft, I would have just declared victory at that point. Yeah, I totally agree. And and he has no business going forth. Uh, he should probably be one. And ultimately uh, I, I see what people love about Andrew well, Vaughn. What, what not did, to love. Did you see that Jason Dominguez birthday video that was out there? I retweeted it on Twitter. I did. I just, I've said did it you, before. Did you I see just, that? that body like he, the, you sound uh, like the guys in Moneyball. like oh the body <laughs> oh he's gonna be a great did, baseball player but he's 17 and he looks like exactly he could beat the crap out of i don't know everyone he just looks huge and that's gonna make it so much easier for him to get paw anywho he's off topic andrew vaughn 
one, two in your drafts. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, like we're we're not going to argue that the upside's not there because it is. But there's been countless sixteen-year-olds that had clout that never got anywhere, and so we've talked about it a lot. I I'll take Vaughn because I think he's more of a sure thing, has that higher floor. I'm taking Vaughn one over Dominguez. I don't care what anybody says. That's just the way I do things. Moving ahead into the nine hole is a guy that I still love. I think he's maybe the most underrated player going into 2020 in all of major league baseball. That's Michael Chavis in Boston. And I think ultimately this is a guy that has really high upside. And I think people are just still sleeping on him. I think you can acquire him if you're smart, unless you're trying to get him from me, which you will not. And ultimately this is a guy that I, I just think is a smart buy everywhere right now. He's going to give you possibly three positions in 2020 for sure. First and second base. He might slot into a third base role. And ultimately, this is a guy that has 30 home run upside. It, whether it's in 2020 or it's in 2021, I think he's going to get there. He had his sophomore slump in the back half of last season. Everybody adjusted to him because he lit the world on fire in the first couple of weeks of his career. I expect him to make that correction this year. That team in Boston is going to be better than people are expecting, even without bets and or price. Or and a manager. Also- well, I mean, <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, John Henry just gets in there and we'll be fine. So ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, this is a guy that I like in multiple categories. Uh, he fits my profile of all the PED guys that I like to draft. Uh, I think ultimately it's a guy that is going to get you minimum 500 at bats, which you got to love. Uh, could creep up on 600, depending on the way Boston sets their lineup for this season. It's true, I guess, but yeah, I I have Chavis at 13. You've got him at six. So here he is. Uh, next up, Evan White. So this is a guy jumping up draft boards all offseason. Um, I'm in at number eight for me, 10 for Ty, and he settled himself for us at eight. So uh, unobstruct- unobstructed playing time coming his way for several seasons. And that's where I'm buying in heavy to this. It certainly is hard to make a list like this and to try to project multiple seasons out and use everything you can and make an educated guess, which is what we're doing here. But when you have a player who really is going to be handed the keys to first base in a big ballpark, but in a very interesting division that I don't know if the Astros are done with their winning window now. I don't know if Texas is going to try to take a step back. Their rotation certainly isn't. Um, It just means that White is going to get to play a lot against a lot of really good professional pitchers. And long-term, I think that's going to really help him because he's going to be up against Verlander. He's going to be up against Kluber. He's going to be up against Otani and like everybody in Oakland. Like there's just going to be so much competition he's going to face all year long that even if he struggles this year and his stock goes down, it's not going to, on my end, keeping this window in place. And that's really important to think about from a dynasty standpoint. If Evan White is no longer valued by others, pick him up. He's not going to be shot aside. Um, I was struggling a lot with the Nolas on the last episode. And um, Austin Nola is not a pitch or sorry is the pitcher i just did it again and aaron nola or sorry aaron nola is the pitcher man they really needed to change their names what i was trying to say was that Austin nola, yeah i know this is terrible i've got like 80 <laughs> empties beside me here um <laughs> from a long time not not just the last couple of days people um austin nola that, is not that's going believable to, <laughs> austin nola is not going to take at bats away uh vogelbach is not going to take at bats away white's up this year and white's staying up long term because they gave him the contract. They need to see what he is. And the power was really the only area that we weren't so sold on uh, coming in to last year. And he didn't sell us on it last year. So here we go. Here's the time to, to buy in. I'm high on him. That's fine. Evan White can be my guy, can be you know the guy that I can be the worst take ever on by the end of 2020. I'm sticking with him for at least the 2020, 2021 season before I would consider adjusting. This is a guy who's going to see top-notch pitching and he's going to get better every at bat yeah absolutely I, I i'm not ready to crown him just yet as a potential mvp i think he's going to be a very above average first baseman so i, I just i'm not ready to just rocket him up the top yet i have him ranked at 10 
and it's for the same reason that we talk about a lot of these guys. He's going to have a clear path to playing time. But I think Vogelback's the only thing in his way, and he should be able to beat that out in camp, hopefully, and they should give him the reins. So if that's the case, I like him a lot better moving forward. If we lose this season, I have some hesitations, but we'll see. I don't think with the big contract they signed him to, that that's going to be the case. I think they're going to want to put their shiny toy out there. But ahead of him, my boy, Paul Goldschmidt. This is a guy that I've always loved, still love. I'm starting to slow down on it because he's getting older and for good reason. Uh, Goldie's at a, he had a bad season last year. Uh, one of his, well, I shouldn't say bad season. He had the, the worst first half of his career. And that was the defining feature of his whole season. The back half really wasn't that terrible. It got better at, at stints. I expect him to have a huge bounce back with new surroundings this season. I think you're going to look to see that 30 to 40 home run Paul Goldschmidt that we still saw last year. He finished strong, got himself there, but I expect you to see that 40 because him and Tyler O'Neill back to back in that lineup are going to be exciting. I cannot <laughs> wait to see it. I keep talking about it. I will bring it up over and over again. Matty Carpenter, everybody. <laughs> and we're going to do a whole episode of me talking about Tyler O'Neill and just at the end of that episode, just me coming on. And this is the part where I told you so. And Ultimately, I'm super jacked for it. This is the season you see it. And Goldie is going to benefit from that, having a little bit of power behind him. That St. Louis lineup is is really hard to articulate this season. I really don't know what to expect from it. There's there's some moving pieces between guys like Fowler and Yaddy and DeYoung and um, what's Edmund. Uh, between that group of guys, like, they could all be fairly good and respectable. They could all also suck. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I just don't know where to place the Cardinals right now. And their pitching is okay, but not good enough to overcome it. But then you have the whole factor that the Cardinals just always get it done. And so uh, Goldschmidt falls right in line with all that right now. He could be elite again. He could be average. He could be below average. I- I'm scared of Goldschmidt for the very first time but I'm going to hold my optimism on him because I still love Paul Goldschmidt. And I'm just going to assume that pedigree wins out here. I don't disagree, Ty. He certainly is somebody who everybody now wants to say, uh, not, not as good as he should be, you know, not this, not that. So let's, let's all just hold our breath and, and see, um, Goldie is the oldest guy in this block. Yes, he is 32 to start this year, but that does not mean, that, like you just said, that lineup around him is not going to really help him by having guys on base, by having guys getting on base behind him to drive him in. So we really need to see this one play out. We don't want the Goldie ranking of 2020 to become what the Votto ranking in 2019 did, where all of a sudden Goldie is gone. So we are certainly hoping for a resurgent Goldie. But somebody else that I am personally looking forward to a resurgence in is Reese Hoskins. This is a guy who came onto the scene big time in what the end of 2017 i think and then really just hammered at home in 2018 and then in 2019 could not repeat and and this is just going to be one of those things where the entire philadelphia phillies lineup did not produce as expected and reese was part of that now reese also transitioned from left field first base to first base and that's where he now is as a permanent fixture he's still only 26 years old he's got the ability to put up over 600 points or four points per game in a points format and he can help you out in at least five categories depending on what he's going to do with his average this year if he can boost that thing up another 20 points he's helping you in six of your eight categories yes he k's he could certainly walk more and the runs could come up if he's getting on base at a higher clip because he's going to have power behind him depending on where they put uh, Real Muto, depending on what what's up with Didi. Uh, there's a lot of power in a really good-looking Phillies lineup, and I have him in at five. Ty's got him in at seven. Uh, we averaged it out at six, and he fell in at six. So um, I like him a lot more than the next guy on this list, and with good reason for me, and I'm sure, Ty, with good reason for you, who you've got up at your five, which became our five. Yeah, and that's Josh Bell. This is a guy that I think is destined to be exited from the Pirates, whether it's this season or next. Could be an off-season move next year as Ben Sheraton tries to figure out what the heck to do with that roster. I mean, I don't know if you saw this, Robbie, but this week he came out and said, it's not a rebuild, we're building. Like, what Yeah, the you mentioned that on the SP episode. I hadn't seen that when you when you had yeah, said it. Like, 
who cares? Like yeah. rebuild the building, like <laughs> no one cares. You need better players. Like we yeah, we're, we're trading everybody that we can to get new people that we want. That yeah. Like, what say what say it however you got to say it man we get it like you don't like what you walked into but you're there yeah brand it whatever it doesn't matter but bell has to be one of the guys that they turn into multiple players we yeah. talked about it with i think archer uh it's ultimately silly to hold on to these assets that are absolutely no way going to be around when you're ready to win they've already exited Marte. they have some replacements for these guys blanco bell archer are the guys that have to go and ultimately you can turn your franchise around very quickly by making a couple of smart moves there. So if you see any flash of old Chris Archer, he's got to go. If you see some consistency from Josh Bell, got to go. If Blanco becomes a fraction of what he was supposed to be at any moment in time, he's got to go. So that, that's why I like him is because he's going to play somewhere else. He has the power. It's gross. He's a big dude. And if he stays in Pittsburgh, he's going to have the home run pop, but the RBIs and the run totals will probably be down. If he ends up elsewhere, he's going to be a multiple category guy. And that's where I'm kind of projecting he's going to be somewhere else at some point in this window. And that's why I have him a little higher than I think most people would, because I think his numbers will vary based on the projections that a lot of people have for him in Pittsburgh. And I think it was hard for him last year. He came out and was on fire to start 2020 2019 but pittsburgh was so bad and fell out of it so early that i think it becomes harder for those guys to come to the ballpark and and churn out those good at bats especially when teammates around you aren't rising up to that level that you're playing at you just end up becoming the lone guy and then teams are targeting you and pitching around you and things get harder it would be really interesting if the relationship developed between um the blue jays front office and ben Charrington could somehow now find its way that Josh Bell ends up in Toronto uh, for some of those prospects that Charrington was drafting or being a big part of acquiring the past couple seasons. That wouldn't be a bad fit. Uh, obviously, we've talked about it before about the the logical move of Vlad coming over. Well, maybe if the Jays believe that doesn't have to happen, then there could be a fit there. And um, Bell is somebody who I was in on in 2018. I fell out of for last year because he just didn't replicate as he was supposed to. And this would be the situation where maybe I would have done the same thing with Reese Hoskins, but thanks to Josh Bell, having gone through the process already, I'm holding strong on Reese and I do have him two spots above Bell, but it doesn't mean I don't like him. It's just that he came out so hot last year and finished on the other end of that, that I want to see if, is this guy going to be somewhere in the middle for 2020? I mean, we're talking about guys inside the top 10 for first base. These are not bad baseball players. These are no. assets to every team. So Absolutely. Yep. I, I do think, though, that you have to look at him as a tradable asset and therefore probably a buy low in a lot of scenarios. So we'll leave that one there. Robbie, who do we got just ahead of Bell? We have Matt Olson, who broke his wrist last year, became a really interesting target for teams because they weren't sure what was going to happen with the power. Uh, how is how is Matty O going to do? He came in and just raked. He's 25 heading into this season, third on my rank, fourth on yours. He deserves all the praise he can get. He's probably still underrated based on the fact that first base is one of those traditional positions where your guys look at a makeup and see somebody in a big park and think maybe he's not going to be as good as he should be. Matt Olson is everything you want in a first baseman. He was also able to disprove the whole, if you get an injury with your arm and shoulders, your power drops. Um, I like Matt Olson to come in strong this year and just rake last year to be fun about it. Um, we had him averaged out at 16 and a half. So it was 13 for me and he was 20 for you. And that was a lot more, I think, to do with the fact that I wasn't too concerned about the wrist injury. And I thought more about the opportunity for him to play, but still wasn't inside either of our top tens. And now he's firmly planted for us at number three. Sorry, yeah, I number just four. wasn't. Yeah, I just wasn't ready to crown him yet last year. I still had some hesitancies on him, but yeah, he's definitely moved up my board and for good reason. I mean, over the last three seasons, uh, doing quick math, basically averaged 29 and a half home runs in three seasons. So lots to like there. 36 last year. Uh, still didn't eclipse the 100 RBI total. That's the only thing. That's an I'm, Oakland thing, don't you think? Yeah, 100%. But, you know, that that lineup is fairly respectable in Oakland. It's it's a whole bunch of pieces that come together, but it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting guy to watch in terms of the profile. And that's a big reason why 
I hadn't kind of capped him up there because he only had 84 RBIs the season before and 45 in his real breakout year where he had 24 home runs. So that's kind of hard to do to be hundred percent honest, hit 25 home runs and only have 45 RBIs. So is he just capitalizing when there's nobody on base? They're just saying, this is the get me over fastball, which, you know, has some concerning peripheral possibilities for him. I don't know that that's the case. It could just be a weird Oakland thing, like you said, but yeah, that's, that's the thing for me, why I wasn't willing to put him there, but you know, the, the consistency in production certainly um, is there. He's a gold glove defender as well. So back-to-back gold gloves effort is, and, you know, definitely a guy that's going to remain out on the field, especially with that kind of power and production. Yes, most definitely. Now, do you want to go off with our number three guy here? Yeah, absolutely. I wish I had the, uh, the Jay-Z queued up here for A to the Rizzo. And <laughs> ultimately, Anthony Rizzo is just the consummate, you know, consistent guy. He's going to get you the OPS numbers that you're after. He's probably going to hit you 30 dingers. And he's just going to be productive. Barring any sort of injury, he gets drilled like 40 times a season because he stands on top of the plate. Love uh, that. I do too. It's so old school and I dig it in a big way. Uh, he's just a huge human being. I've met him at a conference. He was doing some autographs a couple of years ago. And he is a massive human being. And ultimately, a guy that you just expect to give you 30, 100, an OPS, you know, probably in the nine. And, and that's ultimately why he's there. You just, you know what you get with Anthony Rizzo more so than some of these other guys on the list, right? Even the top two guys we have here have some question marks potentially. Uh, whereas Rizzo, I think you just know what you get across all the categories. Yeah. It, he's the easiest guy to talk about. He's just going to get those numbers. Even if Chicago is um, going to have less wins, less, whatever the lineup around him is still fine. He still has what's it going to be like. I don't know who's going to lead off. It's going to be bias, but he's going to, there's bias, Bryant, uh, Rizzo. And now I love that. I'm forgetting um, Nico Horner. Yeah. Contreras. Thank you. Yeah. So there, there's yeah. lots of guys to hit and move them around. No fear in my mind about the guy. He's only 30 years old. I've had a few people in different formats who, where I have them, who have been like, Oh, you know, either he was a good pickup for me or saying, um, you know, I'll trade you, but Rizzo's old, so I'm not going to give you much. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? 30 years old is not an old baseball player at first base. Like, this is a guy to easily invest in and get him and plug him in. And maybe Chicago would consider trading him. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We don't need to worry about that because he's going to get his numbers no matter where he is. Um, moving on. This to is no- Well, Go just ahead. a quick note on that, though. Like, I, I think Chicago is going to be one of those surprise teams. Everyone's discounting them this year. And I think... Rizzo's the centerpiece of it. That infield is is rock solid. The outfield has some upside still. Uh, Elmora Jr. could still be a guy that bounces back. We talked about a swing change going into last year. But there's lots like there. But anyway, going ahead, I'll let you talk about your guy because I know I cut you off and you just want to get super jacked up about him. Yes, sir. Everything I want in a man. Serious home run pop. His average needs to pop up. And then he will be a legend. Pete Alonzo, everybody. Number one. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. That's, that is the way to sum up Pete Alonzo's career. It is going to be legendary. We just need to wait for it. Um, Mr. Home Run, Mr. New York. I, I really thought his average would be higher last year. So the fact that people are now saying, especially in Dynasty, I've heard a lot of Olsen over Alonzo. That's fine. I will take Alonzo every time. I made a really bold move for him last year in a league where I think I took him in the third round of a 30-team dynasty. I took him somewhere in the 70s, and that was one of those situations where I took him, and then I got Chris Davis at the other end thinking Davis would you know, be able to help bridge the gap. Anyway, Davis sat on my bench um, as he was passing that, um, what was it, the home run drought? Whatever it was that he did last year where he was just being a total dick to the media. Uh, and then he had like that week or two weeks where of somewhat usefulness, and I was able to get him in my lineup. But it didn't matter because Alonzo walked in to spring training, took the Mets' first base job, and ran with it all year. Love him long-term. Love you long time. 25 years old right now. He'll be 29 at the end of 2024. This is a guy that you're going to want to get in your dynasty formats. He could easily be the high guy at first base, putting up over 650 points and four, four and a half points per game, depending on your format. Because of home runs, a lot of leagues are set up with seven points per home run, and the guy had 50 of them last year. If he's getting on base, if he's cutting down on his K's, he's going to just be a giant. And the potential is there for him to just 
rule first base for a long, long time. Absolutely. I mean, there's lots to like. The power is silly. I have some concerns over the contact. You take that really- back. Nope, I will not. <laughs> um, and ultimately, definitely why I have Freddie Freeman ranked number one. Uh, you know, you have it in your notes here. Just say, you know, he's on the the, the best team of the group here at the top. He's going to have lots of protection around him. You know, I'm interested to see if you see a small regression losing Donaldson around him in that lineup. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I am watching for it. I mean, Freeman's a guy that I've never really locked in as the number one guy. I, I've had trouble with it, but it's hard not to give it to him because he's just been that guy consistently and, and increasingly better year over year. So that's the one guy of this group that I think has that tr- you know slow trajectory of growth. Could be a potential MVP candidate for the Braves this season uh, as he challenges his own teammate Acuna for, for the similar title. The Braves are going to be fun to watch this year. There's no questions about it. I'm not willing to call them World Series champions, but I do think they're going to challenge, if not walk away with that division title for a third straight year. But ultimately, I think there's some question marks with that group that I'm not ready to put a World Series title on their their pathway just yet. And and if they do win it, it's going to be on the back of guys like Freddie Freeman. Yeah, just an anchor. And rightfully so. I had Alonzo at one, you had Freeman at one, and it just worked out. They basically tied. They're sharing the top spot. Um, but as the ranking worked out, I wonder if it's it's not alphabetical. I wonder what it is that gives him the nod. Uh, did you somehow put in the algorithm that whatever your rank is gets like a half percentage point higher if there's a tie? The spreadsheet <laughs> just knows. Yeah. Damn you, spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> you and Ronnie with your spreadsheet magic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's the top 52 relevant MLB first baseman for the next five years. You're welcome. Absolutely. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you guys. We want you to be as angry as you were about Otani uh, because it's a good <laughs> debate. We want to talk about it. We want to see where you guys see it differently. Uh, and then you can kind of figure out why you're wrong. And that's okay with us. Uh, ultimately, one last note on the smart people perspective. We do have a new t-shirt coming uh, that we don't Ooh. talk about merch very often. But the I Am Smart People t-shirt will be available shortly and we'll let you guys know how to find that uh, as you prep for your draft. Really great t-shirt to bring to your live draft and just let people know that you are a smart people. And if you do want this list as well as the SP list, uh, you can hit us up online. I have had a few people that have asked and I am uh, because I'm not an old person, but I do things in an old fashioned way where I write it down by hand and then enter it into the computer bot. I am still entering in all of the digital information for the SPs, but I am done first base. If you heard a little typing during this podcast, that was just me adding in a few little points here and there. It is ready to send to you folks. So if you want a copy, you let us know, hit us up at Dinger's Pod, send us a DM. We are happy to share this information with everybody after we have gone through everyone. But in the meantime, as a thank you for listening, the list is yours, people. Just let us know. Absolutely. And until next time, it's been Robin Tyler on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.